the Independence Exeter City podcast. This is Grecian Talk with Ollie Heptinstall, Paul Martin, and Paul Sussex. Hello and welcome to this week's Grecian Talk. Uh, I'm Ali Hepnestall. With me this week, uh, Paul Martin. Hello, Paul. Hi, Ollie. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Uh, also here is Mark Briggs. Hi there, Mark. Good morning. Uh, very good to have you back, Mark. And uh, on this week's show, we'll look back at yesterday's excellent 3-2 win at Spotland. A city finally managed to beat uh, Rochdale. Uh, we also discussed League 2. Uh, Fleetwood's draw, Northampton... Uh, Cheltenham's win, I beg your pardon, and uh, Barnett's draw with uh, Wimbledon. And we'll also, of course, look ahead to the Devon Derby next week at St. James Park, Exeter against Plymouth. Um, We'll start off with an interview with Fraser Lloyd-Davis, Argyle fan, and then, uh, of course, build up on the show. That's all coming up on this week's Grecian Talk. Right, welcome to the show. Ollie Hepner's still here, and we'll start off with, of course, the Rochdale game. Uh, Rochdale 2, Exeter 3. City finally managing to beat Rochdale, uh, of course, last season. That dreadful, farcical display when they uh, tune it up with, I think it was about 10 minutes to go, wasn't it? And uh, Rochdale somehow managing to win 3-2. But uh, Paul, it's a great, an- another great away win. And uh, if we improve our home form, is promotion a realistic aim? Yeah, I think so. Because, I mean, if you look at the um, teams that we've gone and beaten away in the last month or so, uh, Gillingham, Bradford and now Rochdale, they're all sides with promotion ambitions of their own. And, um, yeah, it's just such a shame that our home form's been poor. Because if it if our home form had been as good as it has been in, well, previous years under Paul Tisdale, then um, we'd be right up there amongst the automatic promotion slots. So, um, excuse me, yeah, it's good to see us winning away again. And um, I think... What's made the difference? I don't actually know why we perform better away, but I think perhaps the less, less pressure on the team and um, it's showing in the results. And yeah, if we can put together some decent home results, then uh, we'll be right out there come the end of the season, hopefully. Yeah, uh, Mark, do you have any reasons why we perform better away? I think uh, Stuart James on the Radio Devon commentary yesterday was saying how we, uh, we like to play on the counter-attack, so that's better away from home. Yeah, I think you're right. There's two reasons. Uh, firstly, I think uh, we play extremely well um, when we counter attacking. Uh, also, I think um, we seem to have less pressure on us when we're away. Is another reason a lot of people seem to be referring to. So I think there's a number of reasons, but we just got to keep the away form going, and then hopefully towards the end of the season, well, from now, we can uh, bring the home form into it and um, push ourselves right up the league table. Yeah, absolutely. Because if if we were a bit better uh, away from home, we'd be home, I beg your pardon, we'd be right up there. Um, as for John O'Flynn, a superb brace from the Irishman yesterday. That's eight goals for him uh, this season now, taking the pressure off Jamie Curitan somewhat. Uh, Paul, it's good to see we don't just rely on uh, Curitan. Yeah, it is. I mean, we've talked a few times this year already about uh, the dangers of being over-reliant on the veteran striker Curitan, who has, of course, done an excellent job this year. But it's great to see O'Flynn sharing the workload. He's had a really good season, I think, and uh, he's a good natural finisher. He gets himself in good positions, and um, yesterday was an example of that. I mean, the time did run well for the first one for the ball across and slotted it home uh, with ease, and then second one profited on a mistake from the goalkeeper, just a classic sort of poachers, right place, right time kind of finish. So, yeah, great work from... Um, 
Oflin, and uh, if they can both start keep scoring in tandem, then uh, yeah, it's going to be great. Because if you think last season the lack of goals was such an issue, and I think Nardiello was top scorer with about ten, so now we've got two players, well, one above that and one getting near to that. So uh, if they can keep it up, then that'll be excellent. Yeah, and uh, as for Pat Baldwin, his first goal for the club yesterday. Uh, always good to see defenders getting on the score sheet, and something we need to see more of uh, from him and Coles, Mark. Yes, great to see Pat Baldwin scoring uh, his first goal for City. I think they were saying it's his only his third goal in his professional career or something like that. So uh, good to see him scoring. And of course, like you say, Danny Coles, I think the last time he was he scored was that back heel against Wickham, if I'm right. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's good to see that. And of course, that third goal, well, the, it turned out to be uh, the most important. Well, it was the first goal, but it turned out to be important. And we got three goals in the end. Yeah, very much so. Adds a bit of uh, a cushion, doesn't it, to the lead. And I think uh, Tizzy joked after the game, didn't he? He said, um, uh, what did he say? Hang on. Uh, he said, was, it, was it something about uh, him being lethal from a yard out? Yeah, like Pat is lethal from a yard out, joked Tiz. Uh, <laughs> very good there from Paul Tisdale. Uh, good win for the Grecians yesterday. And the subs, return of Aaron Davis from the bench after injury yesterday. Uh, Paul with Aaron Dawson appearing as well. Of the two I'd prefer to see in the team, probably Dawson, would you agree? Yeah, I think so. Dawson has been good in the little cameos that we've seen of him last year when he came into the team. I think he came up into the team up at Huddersfield and then played the home game the following week. Can't remember who that was against, mine, but um, I think he played well and his roles off the bench, he's been good as well. He looks promising on the right-hand side and... uh, I think if they go to a three-five-two system, then he is, he's a definite option for the right wing-back role because he looks to be good going forward and fairly solid defensively as well. So, And Davis, we touched on him when he was in the team before his injury and saying about how he didn't really add a lot to proceedings. And um, So yeah, of the two, I'd like to see Dawson given a go. Yeah, I've been impressed with him when he's uh, made his cameo appearances. And uh, yesterday's win sees us up to seventh in the league now. Um, Mark, is that where, about where we expected to be at this stage? Um, have we revised our expectations about where we think we'll end up? Well, my prediction from the start of the season has been 7th and uh, hopefully uh, a Wembley finish would be nice. But uh, yeah, I think, well, Paul Tisdale stated his target is winning the league, but I still think that's a bit unrealistic. But I like to think our targets are set at promotion this season um, because we've seen many teams be up there and like for a couple of seasons and then they drop down again so we don't want that to happen so I think uh, when you get relegation the best thing to do is just get back up there um, fighting again in in League One yep uh, and uh, yeah that's that's it for yesterday's game we're going to move on now and we'll discuss uh, League Two now Fleetwood nil South End nil uh, in League Two yesterday it doesn't sound like a particular classic there but Fleetwood sa- uh, sacked uh, Mickey Mallon Mickey Mellon, rather, and they appointed uh, Graham Alexander this week. Um, Paul, was that a bit harsh on Mellon, who got uh, Fleetwood into the Football League? Yeah, I think it was harsh on him, to be honest. Um, I think they expected to go right through the leagues, didn't they? And I think um, the fact that they were sort of... I think they were still in the playoff places when they sacked him. They've gone out with them now because City have taken their place. But um, I think... Overall, yeah, it seems harsh that the man who got them their aim of promotion last year and is fairly on track to get them through again this year, that they've just got rid of him. And um, they looked a decent side when we saw them down at St James Park a few weeks ago. And um, 
I'm not sure if Graham Alexander really adds the managerial experience that a promotion challenge needs. So it's an interesting one. And it's, in a way, a bit similar to when Wimbledon sacked Terry Brown. Um, has he maybe taken them as far as they think he can? And uh, if they think that, then fair enough. But I think, for him, it seems a bit harsh, definitely. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, terrible there. And uh, Mickey Mellon feeling a bit uh, melancholy, I expect, after his dismissal. Um, Northampton to... Cheltenham 3 there at, uh, where was that? Uh, Six Fields. Excellent comeback from 2-0 down from Cheltenham. Uh, Northampton looked to be in uh, in control in that one, didn't they? And uh, Cheltenham up to third now. Uh, Mark, are they good enough for automatic promotion? Uh, Well, I think from that game yesterday, it just showed their true character, Cheltenham. Uh, They've obviously, uh, they showed Exeter, who who was boss when they played us at, at Cheltenham. And, Yesterday, yeah, like I say, it's true character coming back from a 2-0 down against Northampton, especially away. Um, and that just shows the true potential of a promotion side. Yeah, but um, I wasn't that impressed with Cheltenham, really, when they beat us 3-0. They beat us 3-0, didn't they? But um, we we had so many chances against them, didn't they? Alan Gow was tearing them apart. So, you know, we were so uh, wasteful in front of goals. So I think we could have beaten them there. And I'm... I'm not that impressed with Cheltenham, I have to say. they got quite a lot of uh, reliance on McGlashan, their winger, who's very good at this level and will probably be snapped up in January. So I expect them to slide slightly down, maybe into the playoff places, uh, second half of the season. As for the Cobblers, uh, mid-table uh, for them, um, Paul Boothroyd not quite having the impact they hoped for. No, he's not really. I mean, I think they probably thought with the man of his calibre coming in, he obviously took Watford to the Premier League a few years ago, and I think they probably hoped for a promotion push, but at the moment they are stuck in the doldrums and mid-table, they're just a bit too inconsistent, really. I mean, having said that, they're only four points off the playoffs, so if they put together a good run from now, then they can easily get themselves up into that playoff uh, picture, but... um, yeah, I think they're sort of they've got a bit of a reliance on sort of being physical. They've got the big lad Akinfenor up front and it works against teams like Exeter as it as they showed when they beat us three 0 But maybe against other more skillful sides or when they come up against someone who is also physical and is able to match them in that department then they can't quite deal with it. So I think that mid table position is probably where they'll stay and where they'll end up. Yeah. Okay, and uh they were at uh, Underhill, it was uh, one all between Barnet and AFC Wimbledon. Uh, a result that helps in neither side, really, at the uh, bottom of the table. Bit of a six-pointer there yesterday. Uh, Mark, will either side be in League Two next season? Um, well, I can, I can fear for AFC Wimbledon, as we, we know Barnet finished very strongly um, these days. Yeah, AFC Wimbledon, they were unfortunate to uh, fall out of the cup against their rivals last week. Um, but, yes, I, I feel I feel for them. I think they've lost their, their main manager. Uh, I think this new manager is not really... Um, come well it's not like uh, Paul said he's not really got much experience and I think Wimbledon one of those they're just going to sort of slip down the table towards the end of the season to be honest Hmm. yeah it's going to be tight isn't it down there maybe even Argyle still in the picture there Um, Wimbledon yeah older shot as well they're just a point well actually they're not they're level with Bristol Rovers who are 23rd at the moment with Barnet uh, basement club of the Football League at the moment Okay, right, we're going to move on now and discuss uh, the Devon Derby next weekend at St. James Park. It's going to be a massive game, and we'll start off our uh, little preview with an interview with a Argyle fan, Fraser Lloyd-Davis, and here it is. 
Grecian Talk. Right, we're joined now by uh, Plymouth fan Fraser Lloyd Davis. Hi there, Fraser. Hi there, how are you? You're not too bad, thanks. Uh, Argyle got a much needed win, didn't they, yesterday against York? Uh, do you think that's the result that can kickstart your season? That's a million pound question, I suppose, in terms of at the moment. Um, do I think it can do? Probably not. It was a good result. We needed a win, especially after the dire form, but I think it might take more than a home win against York to turn around things at home park at the moment. Yeah, and uh, does Carl Fletcher, does he still have the backing of the Argyle faithful, or do you feel it's uh, time for a fresh start? He's certainly, uh, it's a strange It's a strange position, because there's no doubt a lot of respect for Carl Fletcher. He was a great player uh, for us, a great captain, but he's now a manager and performances don't lie. We're sat, again, near the bottom of the table, a place that over the last three, four, five seasons even we've become rather accustomed to. Um, and the support for him has has gone. But it is slightly strange that people we still there's still a place for Carl not a place at Argyle for Carl Fletcher, but there's still the respect there of what he did, um, or has done for the club. It's great to see him trying to play football. Some of teams too often in the past have been very, very direct and long ball and he's trying to change that but you know, none of us want to be near the foot of the table. You know, we play yourselves, Exeter and Torquay this, this month, which both are going to be massive, massive games. And if things can continue where they are, there's probably not much option other than to, to look for a fresh start going into January when a new manager can have uh, his own players come in, as it were. Yeah, it's an interesting situation, isn't it? And uh, you're believed to be wanting a director of football to help oversee Fletcher at Home Park. It's certainly worked well here at Exeter, but do you want to see a director of football appointed at Home Park? Personally, for me, I don't agree with it. Um, because it seems that what we need is that that's someone on the bench that can change a game. Things aren't going well. Let's let's check, modify the tactics a little bit. Let's bring on this player. And I'm not sure a director of football is that person. Um, I was a bit worried when we were told that he's going to be doing slight contracts because financial matters, although obviously the club isn't ever, well not isn't ever, but hasn't been in a good financial position for a while. And obviously the negotiating contract is, you know, an important part of football, especially with wages these days. But our pressing issue is results on the pitch. Um, we're a football club after all and I'm not quite sure director of football is going to have that impact on the pitch that we need but the decision's been made and it might it might work um, Fletcher clearly needs someone with a bit more experience we've got very we've got no experience throughout the, the coaching staff or the uh, or actual coaching experience throughout the, the club so maybe having a smart head above him might help but Personally, I'm not not overly enthused about the idea. No, and uh, our guys on field fortunes haven't really improved much since uh, James Brent has taken over. What have you made of his uh, spell as owner so far and his plans for the future? Um, I've got a lot of time for James Brent. Um, not only because, obviously, he, he helped save the club. Um, so I'm very much on the camp that you can't keep living off that. If, you, if you're going to be a bad, if you're a bad owner, you're a bad owner. But he he's saying the right things. Um, he he has taken quite a lot of criticism for his his handling over Carl Fletcher, 
a lot of fans would have liked to have seen Fletcher gone a few weeks ago, and a lot of people have said, you know, James Brent should be a bit more decisive. But he's clearly a very successful businessman, and he wants Plymouth to be run like a successful business. And one of the big problems that our football club's had is that it hasn't been run like a successful business. And um, that's what we need. But I'm not sure what to make of them overall. Um, and so I think, think time is the key thing. But we've got to see how it pans out because it's only been you know a couple of months really when you look at it that it, 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 but it's a crucial time now to see what we think of him because we're at that turning point like you said could this be the turning point after the York game if this is a bad month and he doesn't sack Fletcher and we carry on going down the way we're going his tenure soon going to be well James Brent hasn't made the right football decisions and it's ended the progress of the football club so yeah. Sorry to, to span off on the question, but it's, it's a little late to say. He's got my support. His support is waning, though, because of this Carl Fletcher issue and whether he should be in charge of the team or not. Yeah, OK. Um, Captain Darren Purse, uh, he was this week transfer listed, wasn't he, as Argyle went to uh, reinvest his wages in other areas of the squad. Uh, what was your, Andy, your fellow Argyle fans' reaction to the news? Um, confusion, I think, was the main thing. No one really saw it coming. Like, like you said, club captain, probably the most experienced player in the squad. Hasn't had the best season, to be honest, but then neither of a lot of the squad. I think like a lot of fans, I was a bit, it's a strange, it's a big call, it's a big shout. What's, I'm a little bit, I think it's more than just wages. I think there's something that might have gone on behind those doors because it is such a, it's a big decision. Hopefully, it's one that pays off. But, you know, many would argue the wages of the director of football or the wages of the club captain. And like I, I said before, um, on the pitch is where it matters right now. But, you know, as a team of those, I'm not sure there's going to be a lot of clubs running after a signature either, though, which is something that we, we seem to forget that, you know, we, it's all right saying that he's transfer listed, but it, he's going to need someone to buy them. And uh, I'm not sure how many clubs are going to be knocking on uh, or phoning up Argyle asking for a Darren Bass. Grecian talk. Right, thanks very much to Fraser uh, for that. And uh, Paul, Argyle, they got their first win in 10 league games yesterday, that tuna win over York at Home Park. Uh, Will they be arriving at SJP with a spring in their step? Uh, possibly, yeah. I mean, it was a decent win for them, but I think at home to York, they'd be expected to win, really. If they were going to turn their bad run of form around, then a home game against a newly promoted mid-table opposition would be what they wanted. So, uh, yeah, they did well to get the win, but they're still precariously close to the relegation zone, three points above it. And uh, it might give them a boost of confidence, but their run before that, I don't think, will do. And uh, one win doesn't mean that they're back on track. So I think... Exeter will still be confident that they've got enough to beat them. and um, But you never know in the derby games. It depends sort of who turns up on the day, who handles the pressure. The early kick-off might play a part as well. So, um, yeah, they might arrive with a bit more confidence, which they'll need, I think, after the bad run they were on before that. Yep. Um, Mark, City are favourites for the game, of course. But uh, do you agree that form goes out the window in derby games? And is there any chance City might be a bit complacent? Yeah, well, I, I think form, so it, it does count towards the game significantly in some ways because you've got to come into the game confident um, and, you, yeah, you've got to come in and believe that your team's going to win the game. And I think Argyle, from their recent run, uh, are going to be thinking, well, we haven't got a 
we've been losing games. Obviously, they beat York yesterday, but to be honest, they they didn't look quite um, top quality at all. So I think City obviously are favourites, um, and I just hope we don't choke on the day. No, let's hope not. Have you got your ticket, Mark? Yes, I have. Yep, I've also got their Torquay ticket for the week after, so I'm very much looking forward to our Devon derbies coming up soon. Yeah, so have I. I think I'm going to attend about four games in a row, so that's going to be uh, an excellent uh, little run over the Christmas period. Um, what else are we going to talk about? Uh, a rare chance, isn't it, to see SJP packed out? Well, I don't know if it would be full capacity, but maybe around the seven 6,000 mark, uh, Paul. How do you think that affects City performances? Um, well, it's an interesting one because off the top of my head, <clears throat> when they've had sort of big crowds in the past, it goes one or two ways because you look at the big crowds for like the playoff semi-finals. I think they lost to Oxford in one of them and lost to Torquay in another one, so it can adversely affect it. But then in League One, like games against Leeds was the full house and that was one of the best City performances I've seen. Likewise with Sheffield Wednesday as well. So I think it really depends on uh, well, who, whether they turn up on the day, to be honest. Last time against Plymouth in the league, it was a big 8,500 crowd and they did the business and won 1-0. But Plymouth were a poor side and Exeter were on a good run. So I'm not sure... It will be good to see the um, ground packed out, hopefully. Like you say, possibly not to its full capacity, but with a full away backing should increase the atmosphere. And hopefully the big bank will get going, Siege Army will lift the players, and uh, home advantage will play a part. Yeah, let's hope so. And of course, yeah, um, the Brentford-JPT game, that was pretty packed out, and we were absolutely dreadful that day. So let's hope uh, there's a decent performance from City. Um, Okay, right. Uh, Mark, any particular memories from... City versus Plymouth games in the past, the two JPT games perhaps, Dunn's winner, what stands out for you? Well, I'll be honest with you, this is the first um, Plymouth Exeter game that I'm actually going to attend, uh, but from watching YouTube videos and uh, Football League highlights, I think that JPT away game looked like a brilliant atmosphere, uh, From well it looked like intimidating in, um, towards the Exeter fans, but I think uh, that 90 minute winner from Nardiello, that just... Just tops it all, I think. Yeah, and uh, I think for me, probably the... Oh, it's got to be the Duns winner, hasn't it? Um, fantastic atmosphere that day. Almost pretty much sent our guard down and the, um, we'll never... We'll meet again, play on the tannoy as they trudge down St. James Road, the Argyle fans. That was a very good memory. Um, yeah, very good. Um, as for you, Paul, what about, what about you? Uh, yeah, well, Dunn's winner, I was in the Big Bank that day, and uh, I was, I think, the, the wildest goal celebration that we had in quite a while, I think, it was great to see that, and uh, great strike as well by James Dunn, the way it flew past the keeper, and it, yeah, that was an excellent day, and also the penalty shootout in the JPT, again, I was stood on the bank for that one, and Lenny Pidgeley pro- playing the role of the unlikely hero, saving all of the spot kicks, and uh, so yeah, that was a smaller crowd and a midweek game, and uh, a less significant game, I think, because obviously the league's more important than the Johnson's paint, but in its own way, that penalty shootout victory was special as well so uh, hopefully this Saturday will live up to some of the past games Yeah that was the uh, was the first penalty shootout I commentated on so uh, good to get the win but we were pretty poor that night weren't we and uh, it was a pretty special goal wasn't it from I think it was Luke Daly the Plymouth Plymouth man Yeah it was I remember he cut inside from about 25 yards and arrowed it in the top corner and yeah Plymouth actually I think deserved to win that game really on the second half extra were as bad as I remember them playing but uh, luckily they scraped it through to penalties and managed to get through Yeah and uh, yeah let's hope they don't score any screamers on Saturday Um, Paul a little question I might ask you Um, do you think 
Plymouth would be in this precarious position is if uh, Peter Reid was still there? Um, that's an interesting one actually because <clears throat> I think we've been saying about sort of experienced managers and how that makes a difference and uh, Peter Reid definitely has that and it was very harsh I think when they got rid of him especially because he'd been helping them out with his own money selling off his medals and things like that to help them out and Carl Fletcher just hasn't really done the business since he was appointed um, he's got good status there I think he played there for a bit and uh, but he just hasn't done the job and I think they would be higher up because if you look at Sort of the skills that Peter Reid has, the man management, the motivation of the players. Would Carl Fletcher really have that? Is he a bit too young to have that kind of impact? And uh, yeah, to see them lying 20th, I think their fans probably, now that they're escaped from their financial turmoil, would probably have expected better from this season. So um, if Peter Reid was still in charge, I think they would be a bit higher up, yeah. Well, you uh, you discussed they've escaped from their uh, financial turmoil, but as we discussed with uh, Fraser Lloyd-Davis, um, they've put Darren Purse on the transfer list, haven't they? Because I don't think they can afford his wages. And they're looking to get a director of football in as well. So I don't, I'm not sure how that w- that works, Paul. Uh, well, no, that's, I, didn't, I didn't know that, to be honest. I thought they'd maybe seen the seen off the worst of their troubles. But yeah, Darren Purse, I'm not sure Not sure if that'll even be a big loss to them, really. He's getting on a bit and um, he's scored. he had a comical sending off last week, uh, not last week, a few weeks ago, where he got booked twice in the space of a minute. So I'm not sure how much of a loss that will be, really. Uh, but as for the director of football, that's an interesting one. It works at Exeter, obviously, with Steve Perryman in that role. But we've seen at sort of higher profile clubs how it can undermine the manager's authority and over things like transfers and team selection and things like that. So, um, no, it's an interesting one. See, be intriguing to see how that develops. Yeah, very much so. Um, oh, prediction time now. Um, we'll start with we'll start with Mark this week. Okay. Well, my prediction is Exeter City three, Plymouth Argyle one. I think Exeter are going to go one um, nil down uh, and have a, a shaky start, build their way back into the game one nil at half time, and go into the second half um, full of confidence and uh, get the two goals to win the game three one. Oh, very good. And as for you, Paul? Um, I think it'll be quite a tight, nervy one, but I think Exeter will come out on top 2-1. And I think O'Flynn will carry on his good form and get... Uh, I think he'll score at least one in that game, hopefully both, and uh, continue his good form from this week. OK, I'm going to go for a bit of a goal fest. Uh, both sides rubbish in defence. Uh, so I'm going to say 4-3 to, to the Grecian. <laughs> so it's going to be a... Wouldn't mind that. Nevertheless. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be a great game, isn't it? Uh, very much looking forward to that one. We'll have full reaction, of course, on this week, uh, next week's Grecian Talk, including a preview to the Torquay game. The Devon Derby's coming along thick and fast at the moment, so that'll be excellent on next week's show. Right, I think that's uh, just about it for this week's show. Thanks very much to Paul and Mark for your company. Uh, don't forget we're on iTunes, so you can... Uh, the new iTunes as well. Downloaded it last night, looking very slick so uh, we're on there so you can subscribe to the show and you can also review the show so uh, tell us what you think of the show give us a star rating and uh, it'll help us bump up the listing slightly so that would be great uh, we're also on Mixcloud as well mixcloud.com slash Grecian Talk and don't forget we're also on uh, Facebook and Twitter so don't forget to uh, find us on there right thanks very much to uh, Paul and Mark for their company thanks very much for listening and uh, join us next week for more Grecian Talk <laughs>